I'm Sherry. I'm the children's pastor here at Canyon Hills Friends Church, if you haven't met me. And today we get to start a brand new series together. We're going to dive into the book of Jonah today. Um, It is a short book, um, which is why I've been asked to start this series. Um, Not really, but it is also a story that we often consider to be a children's story. We tell this to our kids to get them to obey God. It's one of those things we do to say, kids, you need to listen to God because God told Jonah to do something and Jonah didn't do it. And so God sent a storm and then God had a fish swallow him for three whole days. Parenting made easy, right? So listen to God, don't get swallowed by a fish and listen to us. That's what we do. That's how we treat the book of Jonah. But today we need to look at it in a different way, in a more adult way, because the life story of Jonah and his disobedience in this book teach us about what it means to hear from God. It teaches us how we relate and communicate with the Savior of the world. So let's begin today, and we're going to do the non-kid version, and I'm going to have four main points if you're a note taker. So there's this man named Jonah, and the name literally means peaceful one or dove. Today, he's more of known as the reluctant prophet because he chose to disobey a specific command of the Lord. But he was a prophet that did have many times that he obeyed God when he heard God's voice. Meaning, And his name means peaceful dove or peaceful one. So let's start reading together Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. In verse 3, though, we see Jonah's unfortunate response. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down to go with them from Tarshish to flee the presence of the Lord. Jonah ran away, found a ship, paid a fare, sailed to flee from the command of the Lord. He was a man on the run. Before we go any further, I want to point out two different words that were in these first three verses. The first is Amittai. Jonah was the son of Amittai, which Amittai literally means truth. So Jonah wasn't just known as the peaceful one or the dove, but the son of truth, peaceful one, a prophet of God, disobeyed the Lord's command and ran in the complete opposite direction. The other thing I want to point out is that he was asked to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the city that he was commanded to go and preach God to. Nineveh and the Israelites were complete enemies. They hated one another. And this will come up later in our study and we will see why, but that is very important to know. Back to verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, son of truth. The good news today is that the word of the Lord will come to you. God will speak to you. God is a God who loves to speak. In the beginning, when God created, he said, let there be, and it was. He created with spoken word. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God is a speaking God. He spoke with Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke through an audible voice. He can still speak through an audible voice. God is a speaking God. He has spoken through prophets. He's spoken through circumstances. He speaks through his living, breathing word, which is the Bible. And God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Our God loves to speak to us. And if you've never heard a word from the Lord, if you've never heard God, whether in your heart, through the Bible, then all you must do to do it is open up and read his words. Open up your Bible because that is living truth that will transform. It says the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we open it and read God's words, we will be transformed through it. And the Lord will give you a very specific word intended just for you. So first, if you're the note-taking type, God will speak to you. The word of the Lord will come to you. But the challenging news that comes with that is often the word of the Lord requires action. It requires us to move in a direction. It is convicting. It is challenging. It asks us to do something, and that leaves us with a choice. That leaves us with a choice just like Jonah had. And that's where it's difficult for us because when God speaks to us, we like to know or think that we know better. We as a people are lovers of control. We are lovers of planning and perfection and making sure everything that goes on around us is taken care of. And we often hear the word of the Lord and say, well, God, I think we should do it this way instead or you don't really mean that for me right now. And that's what makes us very similar to Jonah in this book, in this situation. So verse two says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. This is where I started wondering, well, okay, Jonah's a prophet. That's what he did by trade. He wasn't a fisherman. He wasn't a carpenter. He did this all the time, traveling from city to city, from group to group, preaching about who God was. So why all of a sudden, when God said, go to Nineveh, go over here and preach, why did he all of a sudden disobey when he had had a life of obedience to God? To understand this, we need to understand that Nineveh was the capital of the Syrian empire. The Syrian empire was so brutal and so hated by everyone they surrounded it because they tortured. They tortured, they abused, they would travel around and take over neighboring areas. And they did it with such brutality that if it was even rumored that the Ninevites were coming after you, the entire town would commit suicide just to escape the torture, the skinning while being alive, the rape, the being buried alive, the having your tongue nailed to the ground torture that the Ninevites would put on the people that they were up against. When we understand this, how much the Assyrian Empire was feared and hated, I have a little bit more mercy for Jonah. Jonah was told, go tell those people about God. Go tell those people that you've heard the stories of, that you maybe have seen what they do. Go tell them about God. 
we do, we disobey a lot smaller commands from the Lord than that. This gives me mercy for Jonah. Because in my mind now, God said, I want you to do something and it's, it's going to cost you. It will be scary. And in Jonah's mind, Jonah had a legitimate reason why he didn't want to obey God. He had a legitimate reason to run. And I think we relate to that a lot. The word of the Lord comes to us. We specifically hear from God or we have that inkling in our heart from the Holy Spirit. And we start to come up with some legitimate reasons why we don't want to follow. Think about when God asks you to forgive somebody. We all know that in the Bible, it says forgive as I have forgiven you. So we're supposed to forgive. But there are people that hurt us and wrong us. And we know we're supposed to forgive them. But when that tugging goes on in our heart, we're like, but God, they don't want forgiveness yet. They're not seeking my forgiveness. I'm not ready to forgive them. And we make up excuses because we control it. Think about tithing. So our money, especially in times like this, when we don't know what's happening with our jobs, with our economy, with the virus, our money is something very important to us. But we know biblically, God gives us everything that we have. And all he asks is that we give our first 10% back to him as an act of worship, as a trusting gesture saying, God, you gave me everything. I will give you this first. But often in times like this, when there's fear, we hold on to our resources and we control and saying, maybe when it gets better, God, I'll release the rest to you. That is disobeying. I think the one that we do the most and is the easiest for us to do is we say later. We say, God, I will obey you later. So we hear a word of the Lord. We hear something that he's asking us to do, whether it's taking a role at church. Maybe it's starting a ministry. Maybe it's just praying. Maybe it's giving money. But God asks us to do something, to change something. And we go, I totally agree with you, God. I'm on board. I'm going to do it. But let's just wait until my kids go back to school. Or let's just wait until this project at work is done. Let's wait until I get here in my career. Let's wait until this happens in my life. And then God, I will totally do it for you. Just let me win the lottery. And I will totally be a missionary for you. I don't play the lottery. But just somehow I'll find a random ticket on the floor. And then I will devote all of my time and all of my resources and all of my money to you later, God. But remember this today. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. I'll say it one more time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And believe it or not, we teach this to our very own children. Not on purpose, but it happens. So I have two boys, um, two years old and five-year-old, and one boy on the way. I know you guys were really all hoping it was a girl, but I'm a boy mom of three for sure. But think about trying to leave anywhere where your kids are having fun when they're young. Well, think back to when we were allowed to go places and trying to leave anywhere when your boys or your girls or your kids are young. 
I think about our new playground at church. It's this awesome four-story playground. It's got four different levels. It's got lots of slides and rock walls and a tunnel. My boys absolutely love it. But when I'm ready to leave, I'm ready to leave. (laughs) So I go over to the playground and I say, okay, Verbergs, we're out, let's go. And the boys are still on the playground. So I change the voice, the tone of my voice, just a little bit. And I say, okay, Verbergs, come on, let's go. The boys are now on the fourth story of the playground, kind of hiding underneath the slides, right? So then this is what we do. I think whether you've been a babysitter or an older sibling or a parent, you understand this. You get out that voice, that parenting voice, and you go, one, and you hold your finger. Your finger always has to be there. You go, one, you wait a little bit of time, two, and you get a little bit stronger, two and a half, don't make me come up there because you know in my condition, I am going to climb up a rock wall, through a tube, up two more slides to get my boys, right? So pause the story right there. Do you see what we're doing when we count, when we whip out our fingers and when we give them choice after choice? We are teaching them delayed obedience. Now, none of us want to punish our children. We want to give them opportunities to choose the right way. We want to give them opportunities to obey, to choose obedience. But we're really setting them up to know that they don't have to choose obedience until we put that final threat down in the floor. They know that they have until mom counts and makes that final threat that really matters, giving them my full authority to make them finally obey. I listened to a sermon this week as I was preparing, and the pastor said, the mark of maturity is all in the lag time. You can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God that they receive and their obedience. If the distance between the command of God is short, that person is mature. If the distance between the command of God and that person obeying is long, it is a sign of immaturity. And I can tell you right now that we as a church, as Canyon Hills Friends Church, we as Christians in our nation and in our world cannot be a church or Christ followers of lag time. We cannot be a people of lag time or a people that treat God like he is our parent and we are toddlers, making him count at us with his fingers wagging until he sets down that final stake of authority or that final threat that causes us to finally choose to come off the playground. So this morning's first point was God will speak to you. He will tell you something and it will cause action. It will require something. It will have you make the choice between obedience and disobedience. And the second point this morning is when you are in that situation, there will always be a boat sailing in the opposite direction. There will always be a boat of distraction that you can jump on to go the opposite way away from Nineveh. So this week, as I was preparing for this, um, I faced several boats of distraction. So I can tell you what I'm talking about. So this week, my husband threw out his back, which 
is so, so sad, um, but kind of funny to watch as he moans and groans throughout the house. Um, my kids have both had fevers this week. So distractions can be things that are hard on your family or your boat of distraction can be amazing. Your boat of distraction could be my sister and her whole family coming down this week and us just having an amazing time all together for the first time since Christmas. But when God asks you to do something, even if you say, yes, God, I will do that. I will follow it. I will sign up for it. I will lead that group. I will pray for those people. There will become a boat of distraction ready for you to get on. Netflix will upload some season of something that you want to watch. Disney Plus will upload stuff. Your friends will call you that haven't called you. Maybe restaurants open up again and we actually get to leave our homes. Boats of distraction will come. Verse 3 says this, But Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for port. And after paying a fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. Jonah went to Tarshish because he wanted to run away from the command of God. God said, go to Nineveh, and Jonah said no. And he didn't just say no. He literally boarded a ship for Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. One commentary that I read this week said it would take a year of travel to get from where Jonah was to Tarshish where he paid to go. A year on a boat, that is some running. And maybe some of you right now can relate to that. Maybe you're sitting next to someone who knows or thinks you're totally on track. You're in your homes right now, you're with your families. They think you have it all together. But maybe you know in your heart that you've been disobeying God or that you've been running like Jonah. And you can run for a long time. You can sail away, but it will catch up to you. You can run for a long time, but it will catch up to you. And maybe you're like, that's not me, Sherry. I'm not running from God. There's been no big God said this and I've said no to like Jonah. That is not where I am. Okay. So maybe it's been a little different. Maybe it's not some huge word from the Lord. Maybe it's something much smaller, but just as significant. So maybe you're not running or sailing, but maybe you're drifting. When I was a little girl, well, younger, not much littler, um, my family went to the beach, and we never went to the beach. My dad is a boat guy. He's either on the boat or in very deep water. The sand does not touch his toes. But on Mother's Day, because Mother loved the beach, we went to the beach. And when we would go there, because we didn't go often, my mom would set up this big home station. It had the colorful towels, the chairs, the umbrella, and she made sure that we were next to a gigantic lifeguard tower every single time because she didn't want us to get lost. She always wanted us to know where she was going to be. We were old enough to be alone in the water, and so the three of us, my older brother and younger sister, ran down to the waves and played. We body surfed, we dug for crabs, we jumped over the waves, we pushed each other over, all of those things that kids do. And we played and played and played, and it had to have been an hour that gone by, and we finally got hungry. So we all go, get out of the water, and we're on the beach, and we're looking up at all the families, 
and we have no idea where we are. We can not only not find our lifeguard tower or our umbrella, we don't see anything that we recognize. And then I'm sure it was hilarious to watch from my parents, but all of us start running in different directions. We came up with no plan. We just start running up and down the beach like crazy little people with our heads cut off. Crazy little people running up and down. But the thing I want us to realize and the thing I want us to know today is my parents never lost where we were. They saw that we were drifting and drifting and drifting and they got up and they left our spot and they watched us drift down in the water. They followed us waiting and wanting us to realize that we were lost and needed to come back to them. They wanted us to realize that we needed to listen and obey and see how far we've gotten from them so we could come back. Isn't that true of us with our relationship with God? I see it like this, and some of you may be able to relate. There have been times in all of our lives where we have been in sync with God. You just feel like you're clicking. Maybe you're praying a lot, and then you see God answer your prayers every single day. You go to work and you have these divine appointment meetings with friends or coworkers or people you randomly see, and you're like, that would have not happened without the grace of the Lord. That conversation was totally planned by God. You're in your word every day. You're reading the Bible. You're seeing God transform your life. You're seeing God transform your family. You go to church and we got to sit in the sanctuary at that time. And you think, how did the pastor know? He or she was speaking right to me because that's God transforming your heart when you hear his words. And then something happened. You just got busy. Maybe you had a work trip or you had to miss church because your kids were sick. Something happened and slowly over time, you weren't in your Bible as much. You didn't get to attend church as much. You didn't have time to watch the videos now with how our schedules have been uprooted. It's not that you were running from God. It's not that you distinctively said, like Jonah did, I want to disobey you. But just as much you were drifting from him, like you were in the ocean at the beach and not realizing due to the distraction how far your life has drifted away from the Lord. When we disobey the commands of God, either intentionally or unintentionally, we are drifting. We are separating ourselves from him just like Jonah. So the first point today, the word of the Lord will come to you. It may not be something we want to hear and it will be a challenge to change or do something. And when we are making that decision, we can always find a boat of distraction sailing in the wrong decision. And if we get on that boat, if we choose the distraction, the third point is God may send a storm to grab your attention. This is the escalation of God finally making that threat. You know, get off the playground or I'm taking away your iPad. Get off the playground or no TV or no dessert or whatever that is for you and your family. God may send a storm to grab your attention as that final escalation of, are you finally going to obey me now? 
Jonah verse 4. The Bible says, The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Now, this ship was full of sailors transporting cargo. They were on a year's journey. This was not a tiny ship. This was a ship made to withstand a year on the ocean. This was a ship that was full of cargo and experienced sailors. This was their career. And Jonah bought a ticket to go on this ship. And the waves were so big that they were lapping up over onto the top of the ship. Grown, trained sailors screaming because the storm was so strong. Verse 5 says, The mariners were afraid, so afraid that they cried out to each of his own God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. These experienced sailors had never seen such a storm that they all decided to yell out to their own God. They were tossing up names just to see if anybody would answer. Then they started to shift blame. Was it your fault? Was it your fault? Who is doing this? This is not a normal storm. Verse 7, they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lot and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing for the presence of the Lord because he had told them. At that exact moment, not only did the men understand who was responsible for this giant storm, but they understood the power of Jonah's God to command it. The storm is raging, and Jonah finally realizes, it's my fault. Many of us are in storms. Many of us have drifted away from the Lord. And we need to come to the point of realization that it is not just an internal struggle. We need to come to the realization that our private little rebellion or our disobedience or our want to control or postpone or ignore God's commands to us is not just taking us down. It is causing a storm for our entire boat, our entire family, our network of coworkers, our friends, whoever you affect, whoever looks up to you because you call yourself a Christian. Jonah finally realizes this. And in verse 11, they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. 
and then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. They could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Verse 14, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. The sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered up a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So to sum it up, Jonah says, okay, guys, pick me up and throw me into the sea. I'll do it. Jonah was asking for a death sentence. The men knew that that's what he was saying to do. And they said, no, we'll throw more cargo overboard. We're going to row, row, row our boat. But nothing worked. So they pleaded with God to not hold his death against them because throwing into that sea was sure death for him. And then we see something happen in the Bible. And as we tell this story, we usually think of this as the bad part of the story. But something unbelievably amazing happened. They throw Jonah overboard. And verse 17 says, The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The last major point this morning is that God provided. God does provide. God provided a large fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah's worst nightmare, being thrown overboard into the worst storm of their lives. God provided a safe, quiet, mean you probably disgusting, smelly, horrible location for Jonah to figure out what he was doing with his life, but it was a safe, quiet place for him to be. I kind of see it as God putting Jonah in timeout, right? Jonah could have drowned. Jonah could have died for his disobedience. He could have been barely alive and wound up on shore somewhere hurt. But no, Jonah was put on timeout in the belly of a fish if you believe it's a fish or a whale. I think you voted on that earlier. The Lord provided a fish to get Jonah to say, okay, God, you have my attention. That was your final threat. That was your final, you stamped my foot down. I'm coming down the playground. I'm in the belly of the fish. You have my attention. What is God doing or allowing to get your attention today? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's health-wise. Maybe your family is fighting all the time because we're always together. Is God saying, do I have your attention in these circumstances? Are you asking God, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me in these moments? But what I am not saying, and please, please, please hear me, hear me, hear me. I am not saying that everything that bad, bad that happens is God causing it. I do not believe that. I am not saying that. What I am saying is when we are disobeying or drifting from God, God may cause or allow 
something that we would consider to be our worst nightmare to happen. Jonah was not the only one affected by this. The storm was everyone on that boat's worst nightmare. It did not just change the life of Jonah, but it changed the life of every sailor on that ship because it says that the sailors made a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They saw his power, and I believe that they were led to devote their lives to him. God provided for the sailors. God provided for Jonah with the fish so he could go on and not just obey God and not just say, I'm sorry, God, but to go on and preach and further the kingdom of God. So God may cause or allow a storm in your life to get your attention, but he will also provide. The word of the Lord will come to you. And you have a choice to obey it or disobey it. And in the midst of that decision, you will always be able to find a boat of distraction sailing in the wrong direction. And when you are on that boat, he may send a storm to grab your attention. And if that doesn't get it, he may allow you to face your worst nightmare. And when he does, please understand this. It is all because he loves you. He has something for you to do. He has a city or a group of people that he wants you to impact because he will provide through it. He will provide. Today, each and every one of us has a choice. We have a choice to stay the same or to cause today to mark a day of change in our lives. I would really like to end the service today by examining our hearts and our choices. Deciding whether or not we are drifting or running. Are we obeying? Deciding how to end the storm that we may be in. To change our course. To redirect who we are following. To choose and obey the words that God has spoken to us, over us, and in us. We are not in the church today, and that is a very, very sad fact. But I think it's timely for today's message because a lot of times when we're in the church altogether, it is hard to make a commitment. It requires a lot of, a lot of guts. But today, you are in one of the most comfortable places you can be in. You are in your home, maybe on your couch, maybe in your backyard. You have time and a place to examine, decide, and change course today in your comfortable location. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray, and if you feel like you've been drifting or running, or maybe that you just haven't heard from the Lord. Pray along with me. Let's change that today. Let's mark today as a day that we will not be known as reluctant prophets of the Lord, but we will be known as people who trust God and obey God and people that have a very, very short lag time. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, 
We believe that you are the same God that spoke the earth and everything in it into existence. You are the God that has spoken and led us for generations. The same God that sent your son to be a living sacrifice for our sins so that we may spend eternity with you. We ask you today, God, to continue to speak to us. Speak to us individually. Speak to us corporately. As we have heard your words through the story of Jonah, help us examine our life choices. Speak to us today. Dear God, please tell us if we are drifting. Let us know. Confirm it in our hearts if you think we are running from you in this time. God, speak to us and direct us back to you. Speak to each of us of how to get back on course, what to change, and how to lead, we pray. If today you know that you are drifting or running, please pray this with me. Dear God, I am sorry for my delayed obedience. I am sorry for my disobedience. I give up my control and I want you to guide me. I want to follow your voice, so please make it clear to me. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy and chances. Today we thank you, God, for being a God of love, for being a God of grace, for being a God that is active and living and a part of our everyday lives. Help today to mark a change for me and everyone here, dear God, to be a renewed commitment to following your voice. And all of God's people said, amen.